0: Hi, true crime fans. You're tuning into Coffee, Murder, and Mystery, a true crime podcast where we discuss murder, mystery, and the supernatural. Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Melissa Lancaster, and this week I'm going to tell you about serial killer I mean, he's actually classified as a mass murderer. Christian Nielsen from Maine. He is literally the definition of terrifying. I mean, we say the words evil and cold all the time, but he is truly the coldest, most evil person I think I've ever podcasted about. Although, Chris did appear to be a normal child for the most part, but his childhood was a bit on the unstable side. It was 1982 when Chris's parents divorced and his father sought full custody of both Chris, who was six, and Chris's four-year-old sister. And Chris's father was granted full custody as Chris's mother was said to have an unstable home life and she was having a relationship with an ex-con. It seems Chris's stepdad, Michael Lewitt, was in trouble for burglary theft and receiving stolen property. But Chris's mother, Patricia, still married Michael, even though her relationship with him was a factor in her losing custody of her children. It does seem that she may have regretted this later, as she wrote a letter of apology for not showing up to the court hearing. And although Chris's father, Charles, did seem to offer a more stable home with his wife, Carol, the kids were said to have had uncontrolled urinating, excessive belligerence, and unusual nervousness. It seems like that was part of the custody hearing and a reason why Charles, Chris's father, was able to gain custody But really, these issues could have simply been due to the divorce. But this was in 1982, and children were supposed to do what they were told in 1982, and not have any feelings about it. But Chris's mother would eventually divorce Mike, just as Chris's father would eventually divorce Carol, leaving the children to deal with those divorces as well. Charles would remarry a woman named Lee. So although we can call this an unstable childhood, I don't think it really indicates anything terrible. I mean, we read about people going through way, way worse things all the time. And there wasn't much that was mentionable in Chris's life after that. He did seem to potentially have an alcohol problem at one point. He did get a DUI. He did not have a major criminal record of any kind. And in 2006, Chris was about 32 years old, and his circumstances led him to live at the Black Bear Inn. The inn was owned by Julie Bullard. Julie and her daughter, Selby, had moved to the area after Selby's husband tragically passed away in a car accident in California. They were relocating to start over. Julie Selby, and Selby's two children set up a little bed and breakfast called the Black Bear Inn. Selby and her friend Cindy also worked in a real estate office together. And they were inseparable, best friends. I guess they went everywhere together. But after a while, Julie decided it was too hard for her to make ends meet at the Black Bear Inn. I mean, this was a really small town. I think that the population at this time is under 500, but it is like a huge ski resort destination. Julie decided to put the bed and breakfast up for sale, but Chris was still living at the B&B, along with James, we know him as Jimmy, Whitehurst, a 50-year-old handyman. Jimmy had suffered from polio as a child, And it left his legs a little bit frail looking and just probably a little more frail in general. But he was known to get around and he was even known to be a daredevil. He did not let this hold him back. It was September 1st, 2006, Labor Day weekend, when Chris asked Jimmy if he wanted to go for a walk in the woods. And so they started their walk. And back a ways, they stopped for a cigarette break. Chris bummed a cigarette off of Jimmy and they sat there and smoked and talked until they were just about done. And Chris let Jimmy know that he was going to get up and pee. So Jimmy just sat there while Chris walked around him under the impression that Chris was going to pee. And Chris did not. Instead, he pulled out a handgun he had purchased and Just shot Jimmy for no reason at all. He waited a minute and watched and then shot Jimmy again just to make sure he was dead. Jimmy literally had no reason to suspect that Chris was planning on hurting him. There was no argument, nothing had happened, there was no provocation whatsoever for this incident. Chris left Jimmy in the woods for the night and returned the next morning. He started digging a grave, but he realized it would be pretty shallow. So he decided to burn Jimmy's body in a bonfire. Chris knew that Julie, the owner of the Black Bear Inn, was going to notice that Jimmy, her handyman, was missing. And he thought about that, and he thought about waiting for her to wake up for the day. You know, because he was going to kill her. But since she often slept until noon... He decided he couldn't wait. He peeked through her window and saw that she was asleep. So he went inside and bust through her locked bedroom door and shot her as she sat up in bed, startled as to what was happening. He went a different route this time and decided to cut her body in half. He wrapped it in a tarp and just threw it in the woods, you know, like it was garbage. Chris just went ahead and went to work after that, as if nothing was wrong. No one saw him behaving any differently. It seemed like a perfectly normal evening. But it wasn't long before Selby, Julie's daughter, decided to come over and check on her mother. Cindy accompanied her, as she usually did, and Chris watched as the two women chatted happily in front of the house and prepared his gun with intentions of killing them. Selby walked into the house and into her mother's bedroom. It's unknown if she was joking or maybe noticed the broken door because Chris claims that he had cleaned up most of the blood, but Selby said, "Chris, did you kill my mother?" But he was ready, and he already had his gun out and was all ready in the motion of shooting Cindy. He then shot and killed Selby. He disposed of their bodies in the woods as well. In a strange next move, Chris called his father, asking him to come on over to the bed and breakfast. He told his father that Julie went out of town and left him in charge. Some sources say that the stepmother Lee headed over there as well, and some don't mention her. But Chris's father and possibly his stepmother arrived at the B&B and Chris just tells them what he did. When officers asked him why he didn't kill his father, he responded with, because he's my dad, and seemed irritated that they even considered that he might kill his father after what he just did. Chris's father, Charles, and possibly his stepmother, Lee, did the right thing, and they called the police and turned Chris in. Can you imagine having to call the police to turn your own child in for murder? Hopefully, none of us have to do that. I feel terrible for him. The police arrived, and they arrested Chris without incident. The reason I said earlier that he is the coldest, most evil human is because as police questioned him, as he was confessing and leading police to the bodies in the woods, he was talking extremely normal, without any emotion, giggling and laughing at times. The pictures that were taken of him after his arrest, he has this eerie smile on his face. There's even a brightness in his eyes. He looks so happy. I feel like even serial killers are at least upset that they got caught. The way he's smirking, it's almost as if he thinks he's played a joke on everyone. Police didn't just find four deceased people when they arrived. They actually found two deceased dogs in the area as well. When asked why he killed the dogs... He stated that one of them he killed because it was old. I didn't see a reason for the other. When asked why he premeditated the murder of Jimmy and carried the act out, he said he didn't know why. He had been thinking about killing someone since he was about 13 years old. Also, he kind of wanted to run the inn. You know, because that's what happens when you want to run an inn. You just kill everybody in it and then, you know, you get to run the inn. When asked if he felt it was wrong, you know, what he had done, he said something along the lines of, I don't think it was wrong. I just went about it badly. People were basically asking him, like, did you care about anything at all? And he just responded with things like, well, they weren't dead before, they are now. I'm still alive. It doesn't really make a difference. A detective even asked him, what she should tell Selby's children when they asked why. And he actually laughed so much that she had to tell him, look, I'm not trying to be funny here. And he was like, I'm not trying to be a jerk. I just really don't care what you tell her children. Chris was diagnosed with schizoid personality disorder. And basically, he does not see any value in human life. He basically sees other people like he does objects, like you are the same to him as like a coffee mug that got broke on the floor. He was found competent to stand trial, and he did end up pleading guilty because he couldn't get his confession thrown out, and so he knew he was going to be found guilty anyway and didn't want to go through a trial. Chris was given life in prison without the possibility of parole. After he was incarcerated, he did end up like 80 pounds lighter and they had to start force feeding him. He was also placed on suicide watch for making cuts on his head. That makes me think that maybe he is miserable in prison, which is what's supposed to happen. It's supposed to be punishment. So I guess the joke isn't really on us, is it? It's not as funny as he thought it was. You really have to Google him, though, and check out the pictures. Christian Nielsen. They are so bizarre. It is so creepy. And when you listen to him talk, and you listen to the way he's giggling and laughing, oh my goodness. I would have loved to put clips in here for you, but unfortunately, I couldn't find any that I felt comfortable taking the audio from. But if you have Discovery+, Plus. You can watch Signs of a Psychopath. It's season one, episode two, and it's called Into the Woods. And that will give you all the creepy audio you need for the rest of the year. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. Evil people are everywhere. Tune in next week for an all new episode of Coffee, Murder and Mystery. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Coffee, Murder, and Mystery. You can find us on the web at www.coffeemurderandmystery.com. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we also have a YouTube channel. All references for today's podcast are available in our show notes. If you enjoyed our show, please consider giving us an Apple Podcast 5-star rating sharing our show with your friends, and leaving a review. This helps us by allowing more people to find our show. If you would like to support our show with a financial contribution, please consider joining our Patreon. Joining our Patreon at the $5 level will give you a bonus episode on the second week of the month, as well as a second bonus episode on the fourth week of the month. Or go to buymeacoffee.com for a one-time contribution. We appreciate all of our listeners. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. Thank you so much for listening. The information provided in this podcast is solely of our opinion and based upon research that we have conducted via the internet. If you feel that we have represented something inaccurately or unfairly, you can send us an email at mystery at gmail.com. Thanks for your support.